Good day, Aussie Gridiron fans, and welcome to another episode of G'day Gridiron, the Week 13 recap show. Uh, some would say 13 is an unlucky number, but it would seem that in the NFL this week, it's definitely been lucky for the quality of game. We've had some um, really uh, amazing scores, uh, amazing games, the um the calibre of, of play and the way the 2022 season um, has really enveloped every every week so far uh, over the last few weeks and definitely week 13. Uh, Manjot's alongside me as always. We reckon Manjot has been a, a pretty uh, amazing stretch of games or weeks the last few weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, it's been it's been incredible. I think I was complaining a few weeks ago. Oh, NFL is kind of getting a bit boring. Not much scoring going on, well, and then this week. That yeah, <laughs> this week it just—it's another week in in a very crazy month of scoring. I think recently scores have just gone up. Games have got crazier. This week we had pretty much everything. I think when you talk about the number thirteen, week thirteen, a lot of bizarre stuff, a lot of weird stuff going on. I think along across the league, we'll get all into that. Yeah, definitely some weird stuff going on this week, um, and definitely some very very high scores. But we're gonna uh, we're gonna start with probably the game of the week this week. Um, uh, AFC playoff playoff matchup, definitely an AFC matchup from last season um, with two of the big boys again going head to head in the Bengals and the Chiefs um, and. The Bengals coming away in an absolute thriller, 27 to 24, right down to the wire. Uh, and amazingly, the the Bengals this season, uh, uh, or over the last few seasons maybe, uh, 20 and 2 against all other teams in the league. But against the Chiefs in that time frame, they are 3 and 0. Oh. So they have beaten the Chiefs every time they have played them over the last um, three years, uh, three seasons, or well, the last two seasons, I guess it is, because they played them twice um, last year. But uh, this was a this is a really great game, wasn't it, Manjot? Really fun to watch um, all the way, all the way down to the wire. Uh, and I don't think I think Mahomes um, and Burrow is going to continue to be um, one hell of a matchup for a few years to come. Now, yeah, that was. That was a sensational game. I, I really enjoyed this one. These two teams put on another great show. Just like the AFC Championship game, what was it, 11 months ago now, it finished the Bengals' 27-24 win. So exact same. They even won like the regular season matchup last year by three points as well. So all three games, they won by three points against the Chiefs. Look, I'm very impressed by Joe Burrow. I think... I think it was last week's show, the week before. I was saying he should be an MVP candidate. He should be up there in the MVP conversation. Definitely now I'm seeing a lot more people joining my bandwagon right there. So I like to take the win right with that one because Burrow, he's very much slept on, very underrated. People, I feel like there's a bit of hatred around him because he was given a lot of hype before the Super Bowl and they lost the Super Bowl. So people have just been hating on him. I think because of that, and then week one against the Steelers, they didn't have a good game. But I think Burrow, he's been very consistent and 
consistently good at that point because he's just been he's been slinging it despite missing Chase, despite missing Mixon. He's been missing his big guys a ton of the time, and he's still slinging that ball. He's still doing very well, Joe Burrow. Joe Spicy sure with 286 po- passing yards and two touchdowns. I think, for me, what I really like, though, is the Bengals' defense. It was it was very good. I, I enjoyed watching the Bengals' defense a lot, and it's because they knew how to defend the Chiefs. Watching some of the tape, I was watching a bit of Monday Night Countdown. They covered this as well. So they often like to rush three or rush four against the Chiefs. They drop like eight in coverage, just rush free at times. Sometimes they put a double team on Kelsey. Kelsey didn't even have a catch in the first half. That was how impressive this defensive performance was. They used to just put two linebackers back onto Kelsey, and then Kelsey would just have to find somewhere, and Kelsey wouldn't find anywhere. I think there was a play that was showing on Monday Night Countdown that Kelsey even got banged up and tripped over one Bengals play that was covering him. So Mahomes had to just be flushed out of the pocket and throw the ball away. Another time, Kelsey fumbled it because they just had two guys on him and the guy from behind just punches the ball out and it's recovered by the Bengals. These sort of plays, yeah, straight after that fumble, by the way, the the Bengals go on and score the game-winning touchdown. So these sort of plays, the Bengals' defense, they're really underrated because our offense has, what, Burrow, Chase, Mixon, all these guys, Higgins, Boyd, Hurst now, all of these skill position guys on offense steal the limelight from this defense who was doing quite well. And especially against the Chiefs, that was a well-called game. Bengals' defense, they deserve a little credit. The other play, Mahomes, he tried his best. I really like that Superman dive he did into the end zone. He was really trying his hardest. It was definitely a frustrating day at the office for him. You could see it in his eyes after that game. He was feeling a lot of pain. I could see it in his eyes because just losing to Burrow three straight times must hurt a ton for him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, Speaking of the, the defense in that play and also of Burrow slinging it, um, that that big defensive play that you talked about with the double team on Kelsey um, was early in the fourth quarter. Uh, the Chiefs were up 24-20, and this definitely did set up that game-winning drive. Um, Mahomes obviously hooked up with uh, Kelsey for, for one of one of only a few catches that he had uh, during the game, as you mentioned. Um, yeah. And while he was sort of uh, wrestling to the – to the ground with um, Bengals linebacker Jermaine Pratt. Um, Pratt forced the ball free uh, and recovered yeah. the fumble himself. Um, yeah, he. I mean, he got he got all the way in underneath that. He got all the way to the point of that ball to rip that thing out. And and at that point, when you've got your hand all the way in there and down to the point of the ball, that ball is coming out whether you like it or not. There's going to be there's no amount of yeah. ball security, five point ball security that's going to take from there. And he's got uh, another yeah. guy on him too. So, yeah. boy, he's got two guys to worry about in that play. Yeah. And, and then can just rip that out. That's right. And then from that, from that, um, that uh, fumble recovery, uh, Burrow basically just took over from there. So he completed six or seven passes during a fifty-three yard drive, um, and finished with that uh, go-ahead touchdown to um, backup running back Chris Evans, uh, and basically closed out the victory over the Chiefs from there. So, um, as you mentioned, it's definitely uh, the 
the Cincinnati defense uh, were absolutely the stars of this game, um, despite obviously the points that do get scored and all the attention that gets lavished on the offense um, <clears throat> with their big weapons. Uh, it was all about it was all about the defense and the way that they held um, the Chiefs to very minimal scoring and also no scoring in in the fourth quarter, uh, which yes is almost an amazing feat in itself, really. Yes, crunch time. That's when they decided to put their best foot forward in that fourth quarter when they needed it the most. That Chief, that Bengals defense stopped the Chiefs and. Impressive, impressive performance all around by them because, man, I thought for certain Casey was going to come back eventually. And then the Bengals defense just didn't break. They just didn't allow the Chiefs to come back. I think Butko also missed a kick for the Chiefs coming down the stretch as well, which really, which really hurt them because Butko is a very good kicker. But yeah, he had one from two. He missed a kick which was very, very costly in the end because they lost by three points. But for me, I think the the Bengals' defense, 100%, guys like Trey Hendrickson are just so underrated. They they really can force a lot of a lot away from Mahomes. They just put him off script all day. They put him... They made sure he didn't get much of a throwing lane. Many much time in the pocket, especially to find guys like Kelsey, find guys like Juju and MVS, those sort of guys. They didn't allow him to come to do that. And look, the Bengals offense just took over from there, as he said. And look, a good return game as well for Jamar Chase, seven catches, 97 yards. I think Burrow, without Chase, he's learned how to spread the ball a bit more. Not that he didn't do that, but it's just really shown more that he can spread the ball Without Chase, I think Chase takes a lot of the credit of this Bengals receiving core, which is very elite. I think I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed by Burrow. He's definitely a top three MVP candidate in my eyes, along with Mahomes playing against him and Hurts, who we can cover later. Because, man, he's he's definitely up at that level. I think Burrow, he's definitely a top five quarterback in the league. People just... I don't know, for some reason, they just sleep on him, whether they hate him for last year losing the Super Bowl, or whether his stats aren't as good as Mahomes, doesn't make as many highlight real plays or this sort of thing, that sort of thing. People, I think they just don't see Joe Burrow as an elite quarterback. He definitely is, definitely top five in my eyes this season. Definitely looking at form from every quarterback, top five in the NFL right now. So... Definitely, you've got to give props to Joe Burrow. As much as I've talked about Bengals defense, Joe Burrow deserves all the credit at the end of the day as well for how that offense is running. Absolutely. Well, I think we'll pivot on now to uh, to Philadelphia and the game with uh, Philadelphia v. Philadelphia Eagles v. Tennessee Titans, where the Eagles came away with a 35-10 to 10 win to take them to 11-1 uh, for the season. The first time the Eagles have gotten to that record since 2004 and only the fourth time in franchise history. Uh, the other three times would be the 49 Eagles won the NFL championship and the 1980 and 2004 teams both lost in the Super Bowl. So if that's 
not enough of a precursor or a bit of a premonition for what's going to happen this season, then I don't know what is. Because the Eagles here, uh, as they have the last few weeks, look every bit like a team that can win uh, in the Super Bowl. Uh, they absolutely destroyed Tennessee here. Um, and Tennessee have been looking like a, a pretty good team over the last few weeks. Uh, strong team. Um and, and doing doing reasonably well, but they really got shown up here when they came up against uh, such a caliber and such a complete um, team on every side of the ball. Uh, and of course, this was a bit of the AJ Brown revenge game, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, and Brown absolutely destroyed um, his former team, the Titans, uh, in this game with eight catches for 119 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, and obviously there was a, a bit of a, a post-TD celebration with him whipping a goal post and wagging a finger uh, and then some things he sort of said uh, in, in press conferences afterwards about, um, about that fabled trade on draft day and everything. Uh, but I think the star of the show, as it has been for the Eagles, over the last probably five or six weeks was, of course, Jalen Hurts, who has most definitely strengthened um, his MVP bid here. Uh, and, and he has to be, in my mind, the front runner for MVP right now. Um, yeah. He drew for 380 yards and three touchdowns, um, which is massive considering the amount he's been running uh, on the ground over the past few weeks uh, rather than throwing. And then all of a sudden he just comes out in this game and nearly puts up um, 400 yards himself in passing on the Titans. Yeah, I think after this week, seeing Mahomes struggle a bit and Hurts just really having a dominant game, almost 400 passing yards and four total touchdowns. I think there's a lot that you can say about that because Hurts... He's definitely getting into that territory where the narrative is shifting towards him again. I thought at the start of the season, definitely was the MVP front runner. Then for the last month and a bit, it's been Mahomes. And now I think Hurts is getting that narrative back towards him after a couple of back-to-back good performances by him. Absolutely um, agree. Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel I feel that it was him for a bit. Um, and then it, it was Lamar for a bit. And then it went to firmly to, to Mahomes, and it's now it's just it hurts all the way. I just can't yeah. understand. I can't, I I can't see how he loses it from here unless yeah. the Eagles go in the absolute tank after, over the next five games. Yeah, 100%. I mean, they'd probably be resting starters at, in the last week. If they win out for the rest of the season, they may want to. Start- they, they may want to. <laughs> they will be resting starters in the last week of the season. They would win out, except for Kelsey to put him in. No, first, I don't know. No, more, more what I, mean, what I mean, more what I mean is if they get to if they get to week eighteen and they're sixteen and one, do you think they're going to want to push? Oh yeah, they, they would. Win, you know, and and say that one loss that we had, that one hiccup. You know, and and just yeah, go to commanders, guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Like for me, it's just they. The Eagles, if they get to that stage, they've already clinched the first seed. So they don't even need to like play their starters. They'd definitely be resting them. But here, there's no resting of starters. I think pretty much, oh, maybe at the end of the game, because I did see Gardner Minshew for a bit at the end. So well, Gardner, Min- 
We had Minshew Mania back on the field for just a tiny amount of time. Just two pass attempts, but yeah. there's a bit of Minshew Mania after the Hurt show, the AJ Brown show. Man, AJ Brown was just torching that Titan secondary all day. They they couldn't even stop like a tissue wipe or something. The Titan secondary, the way they were playing, they got absolutely they got absolutely torched. I think this is what. I think this is what Taylor was talking about last year, the Guinness World Record for ass secondary. It came back this t- today because it just looked well, yesterday because it's just absolute garbage. That was one of the worst secondary performances I've seen. AJ Brown just took advantage of that. He ran all over them. He just he just ran past them, got one handed catches on them, moss dudes. He just it, I don't know. AJ Brown, he's making them really regret that trade now because he's pretty much got as many yards as them. He's got like three times as many touchdowns as all the Titans receivers combined, which yeah. is just really, really embarrassing if you're a Tennessee Titans fan. You're really seeing this stat right now. AJ Brown just absolutely making your team look like fools for trading him. Because... I don't think he would have achieved those numbers on the Titans, though. Yeah, definitely not with Tannehill. If you look at the receiving in this game, um, oh, O'Connor, 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 I'm having a real bad day anyway. Um, he's the highest with four receptions for 68 yards. Oh, O'Conquo, yes. O'Conquo, sorry. Yeah, I think that's how you say it. It's been a terrible day with English. Uh, this was a day that was better spent behind a computer um, typing out numbers and ordering parts. Um, so uh, <laughs> rather than talking to people, I avoided telephone conversations as much as I could today. Um, yeah, yeah he's he sixty eight yards was his, it was the highest for the Titans today, um, and even Traylon Burks only uh, one reception for twenty five yards. So there's no way AJ Brown would have been achieving these numbers anyway on the Titans, and that was part of the I guess the frustration he'd always have, even though he does openly admit that he loved this team. Um, that, that city, uh, and he didn't want to be traded. He didn't want to go away from it. Um, and he said as much in the press conferences after this game. So I just don't think he would have been – there's no way he would have been um, doing the same numbers, but he really did yeah. torture him. And, and then uh, also your credit has to be given to Devonta Smith, who put up another 102 yards uh, and a touchdown as well. So it was a huge day. Yeah, that secondary was not having anything against those two. Hundred percent. Yeah. How about the how about the lack of rushing from the Eagles uh, from the Eagles in this game? though? only sixty seven yards total rushing um, in this game for the Eagles, which is astounding considering the numbers that Hertz alone has been putting up. Yeah, that twenty four attempts plus sixty. What well, would you say? Sixty six. Sixty seven. Yeah. Sixty seven. Average on the ground. Yeah, th- that's not good. That's really not good. That's that's you more tell, testament. To you can the tell Titans. today's scheme was all about what well, the game. The scheme in this game was all about um, through the air. It was all about the ball, the long ball. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, look, when you have a guy like Kurtz, he can do it both ways. I think that just opens up a lot for them, and the Titans. Their secondary just couldn't cover anyone. So I'd rather 
I wouldn't mind the lack of rushing actually from the Eagles because they still got the they still got thirty five points just throwing the ball on the Titans. That's pretty much what they did. They just threw the ball all over them, and then the Titans they couldn't stop it. So if they can't stop it, keep doing it. That's it. That's all they yep. got to do. So for me, I'm not really concerned about that because what they have what three hundred yards rushing last week against the Packers. This week they come out. Almost 400 passing yards for Hertz. So I'm not really concerned. They can do it both ways. That makes them a big threat. That's why they're the NFC's number one seed because their offense is killing people. Their defense is just defending people. They stopped Derrick Henry, who only had 30 yards on 11 carries, which and two catches, eight yards for um, Henry. Yeah, it's very, it's just not not good enough from the Titans. They just couldn't get anything done. The Eagles, their defensive line, very, very much credit to them for stopping the Titans one strength, forcing Tannehill to throw. And then when he forced Tannehill to throw, a lot of times the Titans can't do much because Tannehill is very limited as a quarterback, yeah. in my in my opinion. He's just he's not the guy that they need. That's why they drafted Malik Willis. They need Malik Willis to really get somewhere. With this team, we saw him for a little bit in this game, but not much. But for me, when you have a guy like when you have a guy like Tannehill, it's not going to work out in the long term. So I see the Titans really look at that quarterback position and really invest in it. If Malik doesn't work out, then they're going to go back to the draft, draft someone high in the draft, and just get draft and develop him pretty much. Because, yeah, Tannehill's not the future for them. This is why. Because in the big games, they can't contend with teams like this, like the Eagles, who can be really, really lethal in offense. The Titans' offense couldn't keep up because they don't have a quarterback that can do that. That's just plain and simple for me. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Absolutely agree. And I think there's a little bit of um, the Titans team a little bit broken moment. Um, And this is despite them... Well, they're lucky to be, to be leading the AFC South. They're lucky that the Colts and the Jags have sort of imploded mid-season um, and haven't been able to find themselves um, because they do seem broken. And even at seven and five, we are going to have uh, a division leader here who's likely to be under 10 wins. Um, and uh, I guess, yeah, it's, it's going in as a number four seed in the AFC. and. I guess losing, or probably more than likely losing uh, your your playoff game, um, which is yeah, which is what, your home playoff game, um, which is what's going to happen with this team, and they need to do something serious. I mean, to, yeah, talking about talent, talking about talent, their O line was nowhere for him today. He was sacked six times, so he had no hope at all anyway. Um, so there there has to be some change. Anyway, and one other, I think one other little point we can make about this before we um, before we jog on to a uh, another big game is uh, Aussie boy Jordan Mailata had a recovery today, a fumble recovery to his yeah. name. Clocked one up on the board, fumble recovery for the big man. Um, yeah, he can do it all, can't he? Blocks out defensive ends. He can sing. He can dance. He can do all of this yeah. and. Guess a fumble was, recovery. Love there to was see one. It. There was a video I saw when I was just scrolling, scrolling through um, uh, Twitter uh, an hour or so ago, 
was a Mylata and someone else on that O-line at that point who basically just threw a um, a Titans defender. They didn't just they, – they picked him up and threw him probably two yards into another defender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of – yeah, there's a lot of that. There's Sorry. a lot of there's a lot of that from Jordan Mailata. He's always a he's a pretty good blocker. He's had a bit of an up and down year, but I think he's gonna I think he's really gonna improve year on year still, even with a bit of a down year for his standards. He's still gonna be in that NFL's top left tackles sort of ranking, I shall say, for the next few years because I, I'm really excited to see what he can do. He's got a lot. He's got a bright future ahead of him. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And a very oh, no. Philly special Christmas as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's move on to another big game uh, with big playoff implications for two teams in two different conferences, and we're going to San Francisco, Manjot, where. Oh. Uh, everything is red again, and red is good, despite the fact that the Dolphins hit the 49ers with a 75-yard haymaker on the opening play oh, for a massive man. touchdown. And all of Twitter was screaming about uh, screaming for Tua to be MVP, MVP. And then they, they watched uh, 49ers quarterback Jimmy G go down with what we now know is a season-ending foot injury. Um, and it was all set up for the Dolphins, the big sort of Dolphins who have been on a streak, to get away with another win. But in comes backup, third-string quarterback, Brock Purdy, who had completely different ideas. Purdy threw two touchdown passes after replacing Jimmy G. Uh, and... The 49ers had a absolutely dominant defensive performance and beat Miami 33-17 to 17, uh, for their fifth straight win, uh, which was completely unlikely with a third-string quarterback. I can't think of many other teams in history that would have done that with a third-string quarterback. But it absolutely, I'm going to let you go off on this one. It absolutely showed yeah. <laughs> the might uh, and the strength of this 49ers team is when they are on song, when some of those players come together, when those players stand together, even uh, when everything is down around them, they can still find a way to be explosive and win. Yeah, I just thought, you know, when watching that, that was very impressive. The first play, look, that was the most nightmare fuel start I ever thought. Trent Sherfield, a former 49er, who really... To be honest, on both the Niners and Dolphins, doesn't have that much of a big role. He just did a catch. He ran it 75 yards, touchdown. It's just like, dang, okay, this is how it's going to go, boy. And then Jimmy G gets injured. I think we've already talked about this on Instagram at this point. But look, it, it hurts a lot for the Niners. I think this is going to be it's going to be a tough injury to overcome because as much as I, I've hated on Jimmy, I also do love him a ton because, look, let's face it, he's the Niners quarterback and I'm a Niners fan, so I've got to love Jimmy. But for me, it's just tough. It's tough. This is probably a goodbye from Jimmy. I think, sadly, this is how his boy Niners career has to end. Another injury for him. 
He's had, what, three season-ending injuries in 2018, 2020, and 2022. The even-year curse strikes again for him. Just three straight even years. And even 2016, he had a shoulder injury too. So, look, four straight even years. He's just been on the wrong side of injuries. He just he's had this great record, what, forty one and nineteen. If you include yesterday, which is credited to him, forty two and nineteen as a forty nine starter. And he's led us to a Super Bowl and a conference championship game. I think that's a pretty good resume for me. he might not be the reason we got there to be fair, but he is a big part of the team at times. He can win games. People always like to hate on him, myself included, but Jimmy G, he did his best at the Niners, I think. And look, it's more of a good buy. You're talking like he's not going to be there, but they were already in talks, reportedly. Yeah, I saw that before the game. About re-signing for next season. Um, And given, given what's happened since he's come in for Trey Lance and the position that the 49ers are in... Um, I don't. They're, they're gonna. They'll resign Jimmy G. There'll be some kind of deal to keep. Yeah, him. I think so. I think there's just too much love at this point. But he likes the being there too. He likes being in the town. Um, he loves the team. So, I man, think... poor Rita though. She's gonna have to keep drawing Jimmy G until he gets traded. But also, <laughs> but also, I think it's gonna be a, a case of um, having Trey Lance sit back and and learn more. Uh, and develop properly is uh, with Jimmy G in there is a better is a better option. It hasn't hurt other quality, it hasn't hurt other yeah. quality QBs. There's other okay. ones, and I mean you look at number one. Look at Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know that's that's what he did. Oh, I think Aaron Rodgers would definitely Aaron go to first because um, of the length yeah. of time that if Lance yeah. is sitting next to you, that's three seasons out. Rogers was out from like 2005 to 2007 on the bench behind Brett Favre. So pretty much, yeah, that's the comparison I'd put out there. I think Lance has a similar sort of skill set for Rogers too. So yep. in, in some Absolutely. respects. So yeah, same he, with Mahomes. He has that Mahomes yep. skill set as well. So he also even, has to um he also has to figure out how to, to be healthy as well though. Um, yeah, I think er- I think everyone in San Fran has to figure out how to be healthy. I saw yeah. Nick Bosa's on the injury report now. I'm like, damn it. No, there was, McCaffrey's on the injury report. Debo's on the injury report. Come on, man. You yeah. had basically, what, two weeks? The last, not, so previous to this week, um, where you had the entire um, the entire team back again. No injuries. And yeah. that, that team absolutely slayed. And they basically had two weeks with everyone there, and then all of a sudden there's injuries again. Oh, yeah. Eric Armstead came back this game. He was massive, though. I think that was very underrated from the Niners, where their defense was doing well from what I saw. was the That pass rush was amazing. Without their top two tackles, the, the Dolphins really struggled. I was talking to my boy Mark. We're hyping this up. Mark from Aussie NFL Fantasy and No Huddle Dynasty. Shout out to him. Big Dolphins fan he is. We, we talked up this matchup pretty much all week in that chat. So Maddie and Taylor were definitely, definitely getting the good end of both sides of this, this matchup. But look, I, I was really impressed watching the Niners pass rush. Mark told me, oh yeah, the Niners pass rush, they'll be very good against us with both our tackles at. And I was like, 
dang, no, I'm not sure about that because Tua, he has that quick release and he can really get that ball out so quickly to guys like Tyreek and Jalen Waddle. And the Niners defense, their one problem is that corner spot opposite of Chavarri's Ward, uh, Ward because they just they lost um, Mosley for the year for an a- with an ACL. And since then, they've just been putting in Diamondor Lenore. But I thought the Niners' corners played pretty well, minus the minus the one long touch, the two long touchdowns, the one to Sherfield and the one to Hill that I'm thinking about because that was just a misread on everyone because they left a the guy in the middle open and then Hufanga had to choose to go there because he wanted to start the short one. And then over the top came Hill and Ward thought he'd get inside help, but he'd never got that anyway. So... It was a miscommunication, no one's fault. I just thought that was the entire defensive backfield's fault, that one. But apart from that, the Niners played extremely well. Everyone defense, everywhere. Just watching Nick Bosa, three sacks, just absolutely dominating that O-line. Eric Armstead, like I said, he was a massive part of that diving Jimmy Ward interception because he was putting his pressure into his face. Tua, he had to avoid it. He just threw that away. Jeff Wilson was not ready to catch it. And then Jimmy Ward just dove over him. Superman style for the end. And then from there, the Niners just really dominated. One of the big plays, I definitely think, was that fourth down where we initially it was ruled a catch to Gesicki, but it was seen that Dre Greenlaw made a big pass breakup. Gesicki never got the ball in his hands. Incomplete. The Niners take over. And the game was pretty much a one-score game at that point. Then the Niners just took over and just really dominated, put their foot down, and just won the game after that. So that defense, when you had the number one defense in the league, it's possible that the Niners can have a deep player from Brock Purdy. That's that's not without the entire realm of possibilities. It's just I'm a bit worried from what I saw from Brock Purdy. He's still a rookie first off, so I don't want to criticize him too hard. He, he made some good plays. I'm really liking his pocket awareness, where he's running around, scrambling in the pocket, trying to make plays with his legs. But for me, when he, they were just sending blitzes like the whole time. They sent they sent like eight guys at him. I'm like, God damn, is this how teams are going to play? Off? Like Dallas, for example, yesterday, if you watched them against the Colts, they were sending like eight guys at Matt Ryan, and we saw Matt Ryan falter. Imagine what Brock Purdy's going to do, man, against that. That's going to be tough. That's a tough playoff matchup. Against the Eagles, their defensive line, boy, that's going to be tough. The Niners' offensive line has to be a lot better than it has been. There's been a few struggles this year. I think, look, the Niners have to find a way to play with Brock Purdy. I think there's a way because they have the guys that are there. Ayuk, he might not be there as much, but the other guys like Debo, Kittle, CMC, whenever Mitchell comes back, but then you've got Mason in the backfield. You've got you've got all of these guys in the backfield. The wide receivers they can step up like Juwan Jennings and Ayuk and all those guys. They can step up as much as they can. I think this is going to be a real a really tough way back for the Niners. The one team I can think of to compare them to is the twenty fourteen Cardinals. If anyone remembers the twenty fourteen Cardinals. They had Carson Palmer off the flying start. I think they were like 9-0, and 
And then Carson Palmer tears his ACL in a Thursday night game. Then they bring in their backup, Drew Stanton, who leads, who has a, like a couple wins. I think they kept on a good winning streak. They were like one, they lost that game, Carson got hurt, and then they won a couple of Drew Stanton. And then Stanton goes down with a season-ending injury. They have to bring in the third guy. And then eventually they faltered to the 7-8-1 Carolina Panthers in the playoffs as a wild card. They lost the entire division lead and everything. So for me, that's the one comparison I can just think of, of a team in the same sort of adversity as the Niners are in right now, which is just a complete shame. Just the amount of talent the Niners have, it's just one little bit of luck every single year just goes against them on many pieces of luck. It's just... What can you do when you're Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and all these guys in the front office? What can you do when your team faces this sort of adversity year on year on year? When one play or one injury just really derails your entire season, it's just a case of what can you do? It's not It's not something the Niners can control with all these injuries. It's just, it's just bad luck, I reckon. And look, for me, it's just it's sad if this derails the season because, but I do believe that Brock Purdy can help out. I think there's got to be a way where he doesn't get figured out because they'll eventually find tape on him and his flaws, and that's the one worry I have for Brock Purdy. But yesterday, very promising against that Dolphins defense for sure. Definitely was. Uh, so. Definitely was. Absolutely agree with all that, mate. Um, there's going to be some interesting times for 49ers, but they, they, I think they've got a bit of a QB curse in 2022. Um, yeah, it's so rough, man. They, it's rough. I almost cried, not going to lie. They need I, to, they I'm, need I'm to, not going to lie. I pretty they much need to figure out a way. And it's not even a case of protecting a QB. Um, they've all been weird injuries. So yeah, um, Both of them were like this year, both Lance and Jimmy had defenders clapped on them. It's not their their faults, to be fair. There has been weird injuries. It's not like it's yeah. They're not being out with concussions or you know, like yeah, like it's, it's strange injuries. It's always a defender's leg is always just going on a Niners player's leg, like the Niners quarterback's leg, and just collapsing that leg. I don't know. I don't know how you can prevent that. It's just. It's, oh, just part of, it's just part of the game. I think yeah, everywhere. But you're right though with Jimmy. I think. I think, though, it's going to be Trey's team next year. Just Jimmy's going to be a backup. I think that's probably the way I'd see it with that situation. But I, know, I almost think it'll still be the other way around. Oh, it's, it's, I don't think Trey it's played tough. well enough in any of his games early in the season to warrant. Um, yeah, I mean, he only really played, what, five quarters this season, and four of them were in the monsoon in and, Chicago. And, so. and I have a feeling that the, um, the decision to start Trey Lance or say it was Trey's team early in the season was not a Kyle Shanahan one. And yeah. I think this whole, um, the whole Jimmy G run we've seen since Trey has uh, been injured is a bit of Kyle Shanahan doing the, I told you so's. Um, yeah. So perhaps, I think he'll, perhaps. He'll, and if that was the case, I think he'll win that argument uh, come the off season and into 2023. Yeah. I so, think for me, still, Still a long way for the 49ers. Yeah, uh, I think for me, just after this season, I'm just, like, after what I've seen from both quarterbacks this season, I'm just happy to keep both of them, like, for the rest of time. I'm 
I, I'd be happy if this was like a Joe Montana, Steve Young sort of situation. It where might it took be. like it might where be. it took what it was like 1986. Young came in, and it wasn't until 1993 when when Montana got traded. So it's like seven, eight years later, Montana gets traded. So I wouldn't mind if Trey has to wait that long to play quarterback in the NFL. I don't think he'll have to wait that long, but yeah. we, we might see it end up eventually as Jimmy G being back up to Trey Lance and being happy to sit there. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind it either way. I reckon it's your time to talk about Vikings versus Jets. I reckon yep. I've talked well, long I've, enough. Talk I've, about I've, it, man. Well, I don't know for how long I'll talk on it, but it's just... <laughs> I, don't, I can't talk anywhere near as long as you talk about the 49ers. I will guarantee you that. I love that team too much. But I know look. you do. And it's not to say I don't love the Vikings, but they frustrate the fuck out of me. But, um, right, well, let's go to uh, Minnesota, um, where That's the Minnesota. Vikings went up against the Jets. Uh, and, of course, it was the Mike White-led Jets for the second time this season. Uh, and despite the heroics of Mike White throwing 31 of 57 for 369 yards in his second start, uh, and of course, goal line sneaks by himself, he still could not get over uh, Minnesota's amazing ability to now be 9 0 in one score games this season. Um, an absolutely amazing, amazing statistic. Uh, and they seem to just be able to, as we keep saying week after week, stay in games, um, push in fourth quarters, get back, make the stops where they need to, um, especially defensive stops. And of course, it was Cam Bynum's interception on the one line, on uh, the one yard line with ten seconds left, that finally sealed this for the Vikings, uh, who ne- are now at ten and two. Um, this was. Uh, Understandably, a bit of a ridiculous game, but and a lot of it is is statistics based, I guess, and and you can see where the problems are, which are all statistic based. Um, the Jets were one and six, and this is basically, I think, the, the biggest statistic. The Jets were one and six in the red zone um, over this over this game, um, whereas the Vikings on on their scores in the red zone were three from three. So. Uh, that's it. That's the biggest. It's probably one of the biggest things. The Vikings got down the field, they scored touchdowns, whereas the Jets were left to take um, field goals and try and come back from that. And yeah, probably one of the biggest statistics and the biggest reasons why um, the Vikings won this game. And it also shows, I think, well, a lot of people seem to be sleeping on the Vikings way too much. Uh, not believing, saying that it's not a real ten and two team. It's every week. We weren't a real nine and two team. We weren't a real eight and one team. You know, we weren't. It was just it's on and on and on and on and on. Um, yeah, the they sort of just the. I guess I don't want to say disrespect because it seems too harsh, but um, it is almost a bit of a bit of disrespect. It's just a bit of non-belief in what the Vikings are, which what they are is a a capable offense who can score points when they need to and a um, a good but not great defense who step up in the very biggest of moments um, and that is in, in red zones and goal line stops and interceptions um, when when they need to be um, when, when they need to be made so uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's 
It's close. It's a lot of the games were close with with the vibe. This is really, it, yeah, absolutely. And this was another close one. It was a really close one. Um, and it was always going to be with the way the Jets have been rolling on the last few weeks. Uh, and it's course after the Mike White led game that we saw last week from the Jets. This was always going to be another one. Um, big one, but they did just get kind of bolted, uh, and it is those statistics and the and the things that that really killed them. Um, three for sixteen on third down conversions, like that's it's it's horrible for any team that thinks they're going to be going into playoff football. To yeah, bring up those type of statistics. As I said, one from six on red zone touchdowns situations. Um, it is just absolutely no good. So, but yet again. Um, there was some quality stuff here early on. Um, it was all about um, Sauce Gardner on um, and Quinton Williams on um, on Justin Jefferson. So, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, and really sort of putting that. And of course, the stuff from Jordan Whitehead, there was some big plays for him on Justin Jefferson and the coverage plays. Um, uh, yeah, and a couple of big, big tackles, some weird ones, some stuff that I, still amazes me doesn't get called in the NFL. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, and then the Jefferson, Jefferson touchdown on DJ Reed, in the back and on the sideline in the end zone, just those sort of plays really, really helped. I'm really impressed by Jefferson this week. I thought, I thought it was a tough matchup for him. He did as best as he could. I thought both teams was kind of an even. I call that a draw between the Jets quarterbacks and the and the guy Jefferson because I reckon. I reckon it was pretty even between him and yeah, well they, they definitely took him out of the what would you could consider being the normal game for Jefferson. But yeah, a lot of the plays I noticed and the play designs were ones that weren't I don't think were going to feature him anyway. So there were a lot of throws which should have been um there weren't enough to Thielen made. Um and I think that was more about cousins taking second read rather than first read, because you can see quite a few where Thielen was uh, a little more open um, underneath, um, but there was a lot that, that that was sort of underneath to other players as well, um, especially tight end plays. There were a few there to, to KJ Osborne, um, and then of course there was just uh, a massive running force with Dalvin Cook and and Alexander Madison as well this week. Who Madison getting uh, a big rushing touchdown um, and a big score when it was needed most to really sort of set the Vikings up for the win. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and then, um, yeah, so I don't think that there was, I don't think there was a lot of players on what Jefferson did, but what he did do, uh, yeah, it was pretty good. There were a few drops though that he had, and a few of those targets, um, which even, it was, it was annoying the crap out of me because they weren't ones, there were ones to him, there were ones to his hands, and there were a few cousins did some shockers, some absolute stinkers, some stuff over the top. There were ones where I was just screaming at a mobile phone, going, "It's nowhere near the fucking receiver," um, you know, mm. and things like that. Where it was clearly it, it was supposed to be, um, and you could tell that from the reaction of the receivers. But there were other ones where there was throws directly to receivers that um, that they absolutely dropped and they didn't get it. Uh, and that was also the case I noticed on the other side uh, as well with the Jets. Mike White was throwing some absolute darts. Um, yeah. And, of course, massive game for Garrett Wilson again, uh, eight for 162 yards, uh, eight receptions for 162 yards, huge game for him. But 
he was throwing some darts and there was one, I can't remember who it was too, but it was a receiver in the end zone, uh, in the end zone on one of those um, plays, those five end zone touchdown, uh, red zone touchdown plays that they missed where Michael White threw one that would have, if you were standing up, it would have basically been at about belly height. Um, but, of course, the receiver was moving downwards and it was right in around where his chest yeah, was. Yeah, that one. It I was, think it was Wilson himself. It might have been Wilson. I can't remember if it was Wilson or if it was Davis. I'm not 100% sure. I can't remember. But he dropped it and he dropped it clean and it's on him. And that's that's one of those ones, one of those stats that I hate where that comes up as an incompletion for the QB. Um, and, it, and it reflects negatively on the QB at times because he made that throw. And that was a perfect throw um, through coverage. Uh, he had he had guys in his face, and he still made that throw. Um, and the receiver out and out dropped it in the middle of the end zone, which would have changed the whole complexion of the game at that point as well. A hundred percent. I think my biggest takeaway from Wilson, not only just on the field, amazing, but what he said about Mike White off the field after that game was oh, yeah. praising him a ton. A lot different in tone to why you were saying about Zach Wilson a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Yeah, so I think this definitely shows Jets. I think they're going to ride with Mike White at least another week or two after this one because, for me, that locker room's way behind him now. Zach Wilson, he's the guy that is on the outs. Mike, Mike White's the guy for them right now at, at this point. We don't know how long for could be for maybe a it's, week or two. Could it be absolutely for shows that it's his team for the rest of the season. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah, I reckon so too. I'm just not sure about the coaching stuff. If he has a if he has a shock in the next couple of weeks, maybe they bench him. But apart from that, I think it's got to be his team from now on because he's he the lost, one that's. He lost a game here with 57, 57 passing attempts and three hundred sixty nine yards. Yeah. yeah. I, I they have a trust. They have a trust in him. That's right. That's the thing. I don't know how you can you can talk negatively about that. And I think only the the two interceptions was the only is the only reason that his um, QBR rating is down um, this week, uh, which is yeah. obviously atrocious. There's no TDs passing TDs in there either. But I think that's the only reason the difference. I mean, if you look at the difference, uh, what thirty one fifty seven three sixty nine average of six point five. No TDs, two interceptions. Where Cousins in the same game was 21 of 35, 173 yards, 4.9 average, one TD, no interceptions. Um, and Cousins has got a 75.8 QBR, whereas Mike White's is 23.0. Yeah. yeah. So it's only going to be those interceptions, um, which I guess, I guess the last one was definitely on him. Um, yeah, I think that's the ESPN QBR as well, not the pass rating. So yeah. they take into account way more than like st statistics. They take into account like, oh, you missed this throw and throw down here and there. I think there's a lot of that for Mike White because oh, 31 out of 57, that's not really that accurate. And then, then that's that. That's where I was getting back to. That, that's, yeah. that's what I talk about, those statistics where he misses. Well, it goes down as a miss for him as a throw into the end zone, but it's not on him because the receiver was the one that absolutely porked that up. 100%. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes, it's unfair. But anyway, it's that was a great game. The it was. Too. I'm definitely not used to it. Um, <laughs> I feel uneasy. Every game I go, 
hey, we won a game. We're on like 10 and 2. This is really great. But we're Aren't still... they like a win from the division now? Yeah. Well? And, and if the Lions, um, who we were going to talk about, but we're probably skipping over now because we're getting over on time. Um, if the Lions had lost that game against the Jags, if they hadn't had destroyed the Jags, uh, we would have the, the Vikings would have um, locked the division already. Yeah. Uh, here come those plucky Detroit Lions. Um, yes, sir. They're uh, coming. Rolling the party. They're coming. That's for sure. They're coming. Well, they're not going to get anywhere, but <laughs> they're coming. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, let's let's move on, mate. Um, let's move on. Yeah, let's um, we'll go through the rest of the week's scores. Yeah. Uh, and you, we can throw out a few thoughts if you've got some real quick thoughts on some of those games. Yeah, I won't go too long. Don't worry. And some likes or dislikes and stuff. Of course, we had uh, Bills Patriots, Bills twenty four, Patriots ten, um, Packers Bears. Uh, Packers at one point the Bears were destroying the Packers, and the Packers figured out how to pull that out of the fire. Um, yeah, still owned them. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, but there was a point there where the Bears were ahead yeah, by, more, by, by two touchdowns. So Yeah, they were up a lot, and then the Packers were just like, no, we still own you. 2-0 and against them this year. But still, but still, Justin Fields is still a guy. He's, he's definitely the shining light of that team. Yeah, um, he just needs to figure out how to do a game-winning touchdown. That's it. The Bears, need to, figure out, the Bears need to figure out how to put more around him too, though. 100%. So, 100%. Uh, Steelers beat the Falcons 19 uh, Yeah. I think the Steelers coming back a bit. This might be another... There might be a team that could win out, potentially, because they're, they're starting to really get into that brand of football There's, they love to play. I think Mike Tomlin, he always likes this sort of style of play, I think. Did this... They're starting to win. They're winning ugly, but I think that's the way Mike Tomlin likes it. Just the way and, it feels like, I think. Yeah. And In look, general. they're five and seven, so Mike Tomlin might avoid a losing season yet again. That might be some motivation for them to keep winning. Yeah, might be. Uh the Lions, as I mentioned, uh destroyed the Jags forty to fourteen. Um, huge game for the Lions. They um they were complete uh from the get go. They were up uh seventeen points. At one point, it's crazy. Yeah, they won that one by twenty six. It was, it was good. It was a good showing by them, because especially Jared Goff, very impressed by him. Hopefully, he can keep it up because they're making a bit of a late run, I reckon, for the playoffs. Yeah, they're trying, but there is there's some yeah, the mathematically tall order, tall order. Browns beat the Texans 27-14 in Sean Watson's first game back. Um, yeah. Any thoughts? It was a weird one. I thought the Browns' offense was really garbage in that game. Both teams' offenses were garbage. It was just simply the Browns' defense is a bad defense than the Texans' defense. And they got more takeaways, and they got more touchdowns from those takeaways. So that's why the scoreline was that, because the Browns, they didn't even score an offensive touchdown. Disappointing for, I'm disappointed by both teams, but more so by the Browns, because I expected way more. Watson looked every bit 
of a QB who hasn't played in the past two and a half years as well. Yeah, it's been 700 days since some of those had... Some of those throws were going downwards, short. It was yeah. just, yeah. I think, it's terrible. I think the first time he got, he got hit, like, with actual pressure, his eyes were wide. You could see him through his helmet. So, I don't think he's used Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree. Amanda's played out the second draw for the season 20 all. Uh, second yeah. draw for season 2022 to give us a, a couple more dash ones to add to some score lines. Um, yeah, and also the second 20 to 20 draw, the other one, Colton Texans was also finished 2020. Yeah. There you go. I got some facts for you there, Ian. But I'm surprised, I'm surprised by this one. I'm surprised by the Giants. They started the season so well. Um, oh, so I thought common. that last kick was definitely going in. And it just seems like it just seems like it's gone wrong somewhere. I don't know if it was after the bye. Maybe it's just gone to poo after that. But I think but they've been exposed. Just... I think for me, the Giants have been exposed. I yeah. I think they're a lot of a one-dimensional team. In my opinion, that's the Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones run game. Sure, yeah. If you stop that or like limit its effects so it doesn't get them into the end zone and you're forcing Daniel Jones to throw it more, that's the test for the Giants. If Daniel Jones has a good day, they'll win. If he doesn't, they're going to have bad games like that. And for the Commanders, they're coming back a bit. And like the Lions, they're in the playoff hunt now. They're just a tie outside of the playoff hunt and they're on the bye. And then they meet the Giants again on Sunday night football. It's going to hurt them yeah, for that playoff hunt, basically. It's going to hurt them big time. That, that tie. Yeah. So, uh, Ravens and the team that shan't be named. Uh, Ravens beat them 10 9. <laughs> um, to show yeah. that the team that shan't be named still can't score over nine points in a game. But, and, does, but it does also show that once again, their defense is fucking amazing. They just, yeah. they're an insane defense and they keep making stops and they keep setting up games for the offense to, to win. But then Moneybags can't seem to, Moneybags number three can't seem to actually figure out a way <laughs> to get that offense to win a fucking game or score over nine points. It's literally all they needed to do. They held the Ravens to 10 points, even without Lamar Jackson. And it's yeah, just, yeah, goddamn. What are we, what is, what's going on? But, Man, this this money backs dude we can't name on this podcast for legal reasons. God damn it. <laughs> He's been absolute dog shit. Two hundred forty five million dollars for this. Nine points, two hundred forty five million dollars. I've all got to do does, some math. That's like thirty million dollars a point. Yeah. Come on, man. That's just they rough still owe him, they still owe him hundred and thirty one million. That's fucking garbage. That's fucking I reckon, insane amount of money. Um, for me, the Ravens, though, the and all big they've done, thing. Yeah, yeah. So, well, big thing there, obviously, is Lamar. Um, yeah, he got injured. Yeah. This just show, I think Lamar would have cooked this defense, to be honest. I mean, that defense is good, but Lamar, he would have got more than 10 points with the Ravens. Huntley, he I missed a lot. Good, I just can't believe how good their defense is. Yeah, and they don't have the offense to support it. Fuck, that's, that's just embarrassing, to be honest. That's just... That's one of the worst things I've seen. Probably the, probably the biggest thing out of this game is is once again, you know that they're gonna that it's going to be a coaching staff change um, 
at the end of the season. There's no point in them doing it now because why would you when you're already out? Just roll with it um, and then don't re-sign him basically as a, as a head coach. But he is taking the fall for money bags being unable to play like the calibre of quarterback he was supposed to be. Um, yeah. Because they've got to ride with him now because they owe him a lot of money. Um, it should be a lot better than this. With all the weapons they have, all the anyway. running backs they had, come on, there had to be a lot better. We're talking way thing. too much about this, idiots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, got, we got. Fucking move on. Uh, Seahawks beat the Rams 27-23. Wow. Gino. Oh, yeah. I thought the Rams had it. I thought the Rams, thought the Rams had did it. too, but it's still Gino. Just yeah. Gino and DK still there. Just DK made Ramsey his son at the end there. So good. He absolutely sunned him there. Um, Man, and the Rams oh. are nothing. The Rams are nothing right now. But, yeah, uh, they're devoid. They are, they are very broken. Oh, we saw... Okay, I know the episode will probably get published after this, but I'm sure the Rams are going to screw the Niners over and pick up Baker Mayfield on uh, waivers. Maybe. That's not a bad. That's not a bad thought. But I, I think they're gonna do it because they hate us and we when hate them. When, when the waivers get processed, Wednesday. Oh yeah, it's gonna be Wednesday for us at uh, eight a.m. So yeah, so this oh. episode will be out before then. Oh, Wednesday us eight a.m. or is it Wednesday us eight a.m. Then it'll be Tuesday four p.m. Okay, yeah, done. No. Will we? Yeah, on this before that happens anyway. So maybe, maybe Baker Mayfield might be around by then. Let's see. Yeah, let's see. Um, Raiders 27, bit Chargers 20. Uh, Raiders trying to make a playoff push a bit too late. <laughs> yeah, I think all those all those early season losses are just going to go against them. But and they're, I'm and they're really schedule, loving... Their really schedule loving. going home is going to go against them really badly. It will. Uh, it very, will. very hard schedule on the run home. But I'm loving what I'm seeing from Derek Carr to Devontae Adams. That's just such a it's beautiful it's connection. Been, it should have been happening all the year. Yeah, it's, it it's such a year, they would be destroying this this division. So a hundred percent, they'd be they'd be up, up there, with, they'd be right up there with the Chiefs. Yeah, I watched. I thought Justin Herbert, to be honest, he needs a bit more help from his defense because they they just can't stop anything at the moment. Sometimes some games they're just really inconsistent. That's what it is. Uh, we don't need to talk too much about this one, but the Cowboys scored 33 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. 33. That's more than some teams scored this this week. Uh, <laughs> or the, the season, actually. The some, season. Yeah. There's like nine teams beat. that haven't scored that much in a game in this whole season. It's a big, That's, yeah, it's insane. So they end up 54-19 over the Colts. Um, yeah, a scoregami to... We're within, we're within two points of the Cowboys... Three quarters. Yeah. And it looked like they were going to take it down the wire. And then, as I said to you today, it seems like they went, they just they just went to lunch and didn't come back. <laughs> yeah. But it's one of those quarter went, fuck it, we're out. Like, it's just, it's done. Yeah. At least the Cowboys gave us a score of Gami in that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah second then, one of the season. Sorry, guys, I have to mention it every time it comes up. And then today... Um, the Bucks beat the Saints seventeen to sixteen in what I understand because I haven't watched it yet. It's an absolute insane game. Oh um, yeah, I'll, I'll I tell you. I haven't that. watched it yet, but I will guarantee you that if Jameis Winston was playing, then a hundred percent. Yeah, Jameis was playing. They they would have cooked them. I reckon. 
coming into the last four minutes, the Saints were up 16 to three. So the Bucks were like dead in the water. And then Tom Brady happened. He just, he led them on a touchdown drive. Then a defense forced a free and out, only losing 30 seconds, free zero seconds in the process of that. So 30, 31 seconds off the clock. And then two minutes left, a two minute drill. Tom Brady goes down the field, three seconds left. He throws a game winning touchdown pass. That's the latest game winner he's thrown in his entire career. Insane. The Rashad White touchdown. Well, well, that's the rest of those. Let's get on to uh, what everyone's here for, right? Eh? Patriot performer, team of the week. Yeah, all uh, let's, you get boys. To, let's, let's get through it, Ninja. Yeah, look, firstly, just want to say no tight ends in this team of the week because fuck tight end. It's a terrible position. <laughs> but yeah, the national tight end, week, tight end day. <laughs> yeah. Boy, I think it, every day is a national time in the state, George Kittle, but all of you guys suck, so you don't get a spot. Anyway, let's go. Quarterback Jalen Hurts, of course, 29 for 39, 380 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, five carries, 12 yards, and an extra rushing touchdown. Great performance by Hurts, MVP front runner. Running back, second week in a row, Josh Jacobs, 26 carries, 144 yards, a touchdown, two catches, 60 yards, led the league in rushing yards. Yet again, this dude, incredible contract year, sign him up, baby. Other running back in the contract year, Tony Pollard, 12 carries, 91 yards, two touchdowns, two carries, sorry, two catches for 15 yards, sign him up, baby, as well. Wide receiver, Devontae Adams, eight catches, 177 yards, Two touchdowns. Go deep, Devontae. Go for it, man. Other wide receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown. 11 catches, 114 yards, two touchdowns himself. Him and Goff got a great connection going. And then my last wide receiver, I've got Terry McLaurin. Eight catches, 105 yards, two touchdowns. Ernst name Scary Terry this week. Offensive line, the Eagles, yet again, back-to-back weeks. They've allowed Hurts to do his thing. Didn't allow too much disruption in the passing game. Only two sacks allowed. So I got to give it to the Eagles against a pretty good passing pass rush there from the Titans defense. Now onto the defense. Spoiler alert, lot of 49ers in here. So defensive end, we'll start off Nick Bosa. A forced fumble and three sacks. He has 14 and a half in the season, which leads the NFL. Defensive tack- tackle, Dex DeLawrence. Nine tackles and a sack. He's been phenomenal for the Giants so far this year. Marvel defensive end. Go go with Chandler Jones. Six tackles and three sacks. Linebacker against his former team for the first time. Bobby Wagner, seven tackles, two sacks, and an interception. Linebacker Alex Singleton, 17 total tackles against the Ravens. Did pretty well to stop that Ravens rush attack throughout the day. Now, a couple linebackers from the Niners here. Fred Warner. Three total tackles, two pass breakups, and an interception. He's been having a great year in pass coverage. Been doing well again. And he stopped a lot of the middle of the, the mid-game there from the Dolphins. Another guy who did the same, Dre Greenlaw. Eight total tackles and a big fourth down pass breakup that I was talking about on Gasicki. And then a fumble recovery touchdown, which came from the Bosa Force fumble. Incredible performance by him. Now, cornerback had to go to Deron Bland. Eight tackles, two interceptions, as and as Chris Collinsworth said, he was anything but bland. The other cornerback, 
Tariq Bourne, seven tackles and interception. He's been having a great year as well. Finally, got the safeties. Jalen Petrie, 16 tackles and an interception in the end zone against the Browns. Did pretty well for the Texans. They tried to hold on as much as they could. And the other safety spot, also in a losing effort, Justin Simmons for the team we shall not name. He deserves a mention, though. Five tackles, two interceptions, and a forced fumble. There you go, team of the week, of course, Pace Fresh NFL. Thank you all for all the support, by the way, on Pace Fresh NFL. I just want to say it. Uh, we got we got followed by some big names this week, including the Gridiron Australia CEO and the NFL Australia official account. So massive thank you to you all for all the support. Appreciate all you followers, whether you're a regular person, you're a big name like that. So thank you, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, I need, to, I need to clean up the tight end part. Fuck all tight ends this week, except for ex-Gold Coast Sun, AFL Gold Coast Suns player, Patrick Mataga, who was good in the International Player Pathway Program and could possibly be Australia's first tight end in the NFL. Um, love to see it. Love to see it. Yeah. It's amazing. So I'm sorry for roasting a position, Patrick. He's, man. A big, he's a big dude, but he's a big dude. He looks like a very strong lad. Oh, um, he'd, he'd yeah. pancake me after all the shit I talked about tight ends. Just uh, <laughs> He definitely would. Oh, I'm so, scared now. Yeah. I mean, he starts, they start a, him and uh, a couple other players. Um, yeah, free Aussies and New Zealanders in that program. Teletiga. Uh, Talatega Lachlan Amosa and New Zealander Attila Junior Vinny Louis um, were all selected for that. So that amazing, um, amazing things for Australia and New Zealand uh, in this area yeah. of the world. Actually, Australian uh, amazing thing for um, Papua New Guinea and Fiji too, because Patrick Matuga uh, lived in both Papua New Guinea and Fiji growing 100%, up uh, before yeah. he settled in Queensland. Uh, yeah, so they start their a ten week training stint in America on January ten. Um, oh, it's crazy! And, and the player pathway program has been very good for a lot of has. players. a lot of players now in the NFL from a lot of countries that have come through that pathway program. So it's yeah. going to be very successful. Yeah, and also just a quick note on the local gridiron. Good luck to a lot of players this week playing in bowl games across the country. Absolutely. New South Wales, South Australia, Queensland, I think they're all all three of them. Victoria as well, I think they're also in. So pretty much the whole East Coast, except for us and the ACT, are going to be having those big bowl games, the final grand finals for everyone. So I'm I'm excited. Going to be checking out a few of those streams in between my own commentary and MN live streaming on YouTube for ACT. Even though we've got a bit of a dead robber in our game, it's still still going to be fun with me and Maddie on commentary. So you boys don't want to miss that in between all those bowl, bowl games that are going on. I'll be trying to check out everything in that local gridiron space on Saturday, Sunday. It's going to be crazy. So definitely check that out if you're massive into this game because there's a lot of good young Aussie talent that's out there that's going to be playing in on Saturday, Sunday for a championship. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said, Manjo. Uh, all right. Well, that, that's us for our Week 13 recap show, uh, which has gone much longer than both of us talked about earlier yep. in our, pre, our pre-chat. <laughs> and once again, you can't shut us up. That's half the problem. Yeah. Up we love this game too. We much. love we love NFL way too much. Um, 
Oh, yeah. they love me back now. <laughs> they love you back, and they love Manjot back, apparently. So <laughs> if you would also like to love Manjot back, you can follow him at Pastry Press NFL, uh, where you can find all kinds of um, game day uh, things going on, some musings. Uh, if the 49ers have more stuff go on with more quarterbacks, you may actually see him cry. Uh, you can also find Manjot. Uh, weekly at uh, at Aussie NFL Fantasy, the Aussie NFL Fantasy heads um, and those around the world because you guys obviously get some international listeners too. Um, you can follow us here at G'day Gridiron, at G'day Gridiron on both Facebook and Instagram. Uh, I will be trying to post some more. I'm very bad at posting on G'day Gridiron page. Um, very bad, oh, actually. Yeah. I will be because... Okay. A good mate has made us now not just a logo, but some stunning um, background in Im- images to go with some content. So I need to force myself to make some posts and actually <laughs> engage with people because I don't want those to go to waste. Yeah, um, I've been cancelled by Instagram too, so I can't collab with anyone. So you, you're on your own now, are you? Cancelled by Instagram. Yeah, yeah, all right. One final thing before we have to go. Oh yeah, I can't. Bring this story right. before we finish. Cut the music. What are we so, doing? So, can't, can't actually collab with anyone. Like, Aussie NFL fans are good at Gridiron, like I always do. For some reason, I think Instagram's just onto me. They hate me for some reason. So, what did you do? I, I did nothing wrong. You I, did I must, something, Andrew. You know, I, I don't. I think I just grown too big. I I don't know. Too big. That's <laughs> bullshit. Weird. Like, I need oh. to shut the fuck up. I need. I am too. I'm becoming too much of that twenty year old who's just you know arrogant as fuck. Yeah. Fucking uh, no, social no. media kids. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Let's move on. Righto. Well, in that absolute bombshell, as Jeremy Clarkson would say, uh, we're going to leave you there. So uh, good day and good night. See everyone.